Uh, there, uh, I don't know if you guys follow, if you guys are on social media, there's a few people on there, and uh, that Kanye West has had a rough week. Uh, he lost uh, $2 billion of his uh, net worth. Uh, I don't know what it's like to lose $2 billion, uh, but uh, apparently it's not good. Uh, and so uh, he said some pretty uh, awful things, and he's not backing down from it. And uh, it got me thinking, like I uh, probably uh, maybe a year ago, uh, someone came to, uh, uh, to one of the, the groups in our house with a, a bag, a gift for me, and, uh, and gifted me a, a pair of uh, Yeezys. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Yeezys, they're like $300 to like $400 shoes that people buy to resell and make money. And they're like a very exclusive shoe. And I was like, man, they're awesome. If you've ever worn them, they are literally the most comfortable shoe you will ever wear. It is walking on clouds. Uh, but I was like, there is an Instagram called uh, Preachers with Sneakers uh, that roasts uh, pastors uh, for the shoes that they wear. And I was like, it would be really hard for me to stand up here with $400 shoes and be like, hi, I'm a pastor. Uh, and I just felt like that would be weird, uh, even though they were gifted to me. So anyways, I sold them, made some money off of them. Uh, but this week, uh, when, uh, <laughs> but I mean, okay, uh, truth. Uh, and, uh, but this week I was like, man, they're not going to make Yeezys anymore. Now I could have sold them for like way more money. Uh, but I was like, ah, it's probably not good either. And so uh, I, anyways, here's my point uh, in sharing that. Uh, people are distancing themselves from Kanye West because of the things that he said about Jewish people, and, and to some degree, rightfully so. I'm not like a huge fan of cancel culture, because uh, cancel culture uh, put Jesus on the cross. Uh, but I do understand distancing yourself from certain things from time to time. But here's, here's the thing that I, that I would struggle with as a church. We should always be more forgiving than the outside world. The outside world should always be less forgiving than the church. If there's anyone, any culture, any people that knows forgiveness and is willing to restore themselves with people, shouldn't it be the church? So I was thinking about that. What if Kanye West apologizes? What if Kanye West sincerely says, man, I was tripping and I am sorry. But the world wants to, in cancel culture, wants to make sure that they stand for justice and right in what is right and make sure that Kanye West never has a voice, never did it, and they, and they want to punish, punish, punish from here till kingdom come. Would we as a church embrace somebody that is truly repentive and sorry? I was thinking about that, and that, it got me thinking because... Outside thinking creeps into the church. Like if, if, if culture says cancel this person, distance yourself, there are times where we can join. There are times when we can be unforgiving. There's times where we can say, oh, anybody but. That's outside of the church thinking. And what we're going to read today is that this is the type of thinking that was infiltrating the church. Outside, common, everyday thinking coming into the church. And Paul writes to Titus, everything that Joe just read to be said out loud to a group of people as they're there uh, on the island of Crete. Man, Titus, you got a problem when you start allowing outside thinking to get into the church. And that means as leaders, what we looked at last week as leaders, when we're unmasking average, this whole series is, is, is living a higher calling, is, is not being content with average, not being content with the world as a comparable and living just slightly better than the world. Our comparable is always Jesus, and we're supposed to be way more than just average. And so as this is uh, said in leadership, what we talked about last week, 
As we unmask average, here's, here's a very key characteristic that every leader needs, courage. You can't be a leader without courage because to be a leader means that you have to confront things that are not true. Doesn't make you popular, doesn't make you liked, but the integrity of the gospel is at stake. And so when you hear people distorting the gospel, distorting forgiveness, distorting restoration, as leaders, you need to speak into that. And if you don't, that is what real leadership failure is. It's a threat to the church. Evil will always be a threat to the church, and far too often it happens from within the church. So today I want to see how, I want us to see how people scheme, and I want us to see as leaders that we should do something about it. And I think that calling to do something about it is true of every single person in this church. So based off of what Joe just read, here's what I want us to remember. Gospel correction is gospel protection. The gospel is true and it can stand on its own. But we as humans, as, as Paul talks about here through the book of Titus, is telling us that we are on the forefront of making sure that others know the gospel truth and how it can stand on its own. And so in these next few verses, we're going to see three people that need to be corrected with gospel truth. The first type of person is that we must correct those who are divisive. To remind you of what Joe was reading, for there are many, this isn't a small amount, this isn't that type of person that will come to you and says, hey, everybody's saying, and it's like two people, but everybody's saying it. Okay, go fly a kite. But anyways, there's like legitimately a whole ton of people who are insubordinate, empty talkers, divisive, especially those from the circumcision party. Those are Judaizers. Those are people that would be like, hey, okay, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, Jesus plus the law. What? Uh, and so they must be silenced for they are upsetting whole families by teaching uh, uh, for shameful game what they ought not to teach. On the island of Crete, there are individuals that are rejecting accountability. That's what it means to be insubordinate. That, that hey, I don't need to be accountable to anybody. No true well-meaning leader ever outgrows the need for accountability. And there are people there that stand as if they are the only authority. They're those empty talkers. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody that's all like animated and like talking, talking, talking? They can talk for an hour. And you get to the end of that conversation and, you're, and your spouse is like, oh, you talked to so-and-so for an hour. What, what did they say? And you're like, I, uh, I don't really know. Uh, but they said a lot. <laughs> That's an, an empty talker. They, they have a lot of fury. They have a lot of passion. They're, they're captivating. They're persuasive. But they, they don't have any truth behind what they're saying. The, their backing is, is not spiritual truth, but their, but their opinion. They, they, that's what, like, you want to know a religious person? Oh, their opinion is at the same level as God's word. That's an empty talker, someone who distorts and twists God words, God's word. They're, they are clever. They are cotton candy preachers. They, show, they have a lot of show and a lot of flash, but there is no substance. And what is their motivation? Paul says it very clearly. Shameful gain, greed. They, they want what they want. They, they want to build their audience. They want a lot of followers. They want a lot of money. They are clever, clever and so clever that they know that they are to get at the gullible types of people. Gullible that will believe their lies and distort the truth. You think God, you think God Almighty is good with his holy word being lied about to lead other people astray? I don't want to be that person. 
And that's their, but that's their strategy. Oh, we're going to go to smaller groups. You can see whole families. We're going to go to smaller groups of people within the home. Because if we did it in the public setting, like this setting, somebody is probably going to be intelligent enough to call out the lies. But we're going to go to small gatherings where I can, I can manipulate people with this deadly doctrine of Jesus plus. Anytime it's Jesus plus, that's a nothing theology. Anytime it's Jesus plus, you're actually subtracting Christ. And so it's, it's infiltrating homes to the point where Paul says, you must silence them. If you were to dig into what that, what that word could mean, what, what Paul is saying, he's saying in the truest form that you must muzzle them. Like, Paul holds no punches. You must put something on their face. Like, put a sock in it. I think Paul would literally say, put a sock in that doofus's mouth so that they're not talking or that they cannot talk because it spreads like a cancer. It takes over whole families, and it leads people astray. The greatest danger for the church is always from within the church. I recently saw this playing out with, with, with somebody in the greater community. They have a son that grew up in the church, a lover of Jesus, a ministry calling on his life. And then some things happened, and all of a sudden he was like, I think there's something to that Mormon faith. He started going to the Mormon church, baptized in the Mormon faith. The Mormon faith has a lot of correlations with Christianity, but it's Jesus plus. Jesus plus some other prophet. Jesus plus what this other guy said. Whenever it's Jesus plus, you've got absolutely nothing. And I heard of a mom that every day would watch her kid's location. Because there was this moment where, where the kid would leave the house. And there was, there was this moment where the mom would know, if, if said kid turns this way, he's coming to our church. Or he's coming to church that day. But if he goes this way, he's going to the, to the Mormon church. And, he, and she said, for week after week after week. Her heart broke as her kid went to this church, to this church, to this church, and not the church that they knew was preaching the one true gospel. What I, what I am saying here is that the gospel, if you want to know the gospel in its maybe purest form, is that faith in Jesus plus something equals nothing. If you want to add anything to it, uh, the law, we'll get it, or baptism, or, or hey, read your Bible and do it, Jesus plus anything is nothing. But faith in Jesus plus nothing else, just faith alone in Jesus Christ, is truly everything. And that message is what we promote with our whole being. So in our culture, what are the Jesus plus things? Oh, it's Jesus plus this prophet, Muhammad or whatever that Mormon dude is or, or whatever the other, like, oh, Jesus plus, Jesus plus, Jesus plus morality. Oh, oh, say yes to Jesus, but then make sure that you're, if you're, if you're saved and to be saved, you must do Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus a sacrament, Jesus plus a class, Jesus plus a prayer, Jesus plus disciplines. Now, some of those things are good. Some of those things I just said are actually good things for you and I to do as believers. But not when we say, to be a Christian, to be saved, you must. Ba, 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 ba. To be a Christian is all about what was already done for you. And you accepting that truth. And then to grow, to become more and more like Jesus Christ. 
some of those things then follow out of that place. So a resource for you, if you guys have your cell phones, write this down. A resource for you when you're talking to other people is CARM.org, C-A-R-M.org. It's an apologetics website. It's a very bold, it, it kind of lacks sometimes a little bit of grace. So look at it as a resource. Uh, and so if you're ever talking to somebody, I wouldn't pull up the article and read it to them uh, because they're going to be like, who are you? And then they're going to punch you. Uh, but it's a good resource to understand about Mormonism or, or whatever it might be, uh, Islam and other things, to be able to talk to people. And then you and I, as we love Jesus, will filter it through grace. The second person that we must correct are those who are deceived. He says, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, uh, Cretans are always liars and evil beasts and lazy gluttons. Their testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, for they must be sound in faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths or com and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. Like, I love this portion of scripture because, again, Paul is writing this letter knowing that his letters will be read out loud to a group of people. He's expecting his letters to be read out loud to, uh, to Cretans. You know what he said? Here's what one of your prophets said. Blah, blah, blah. You're a terrible people, and it's true. Like, do you like, think about that? If you're the early audience, and they just, Paul's like, oh, you're, you're a light, lazy, lying son of a gun, and, and they're right. Like, wouldn't you like, take that wrong? But that's Paul. He's blunt because their behavior of acting this way has likened them to, to be a, a Cretan is to be a liar, lazy, insubordinate type of a, a person. To be an evil beast that will act like wild animals, not caring for the welfare of others. To be a glutton is to be selfish and to be self-indulgent. <laughs> to only care about one's own interest and filling my needs. To lead others astray and to rip them apart. And so what should you do? You should rebuke them sharply because they are spiritual imposters. Well, Paul, when, when he talks about rebuke them sharply, that word sharply, there's different words for knife, uh, knife in Greek. Uh, this one is like, uh, in our modern day, would be more like a scalper, scalpel. A small little dagger that you could use for a precision cut. Which I think is in a very, very appropriate correlation for us if, we're, if we've been to the doctor. <laughs> to have something that is maybe cancerous. To have something that is maybe growing on us that, that would, would wreak havoc on our bodies. And so what do you do? You cut it away so it, doesn't, uh, so it doesn't take over your whole body because whatever it is is toxic. And with a precision cut, you need to cut it away. When we are calling out lies, that is what we are doing. We are like a, a surgeon, but we're, we're doing a spiritual surgery, removing what is toxic. We're cutting away what is for those that are self-deceived or, or deceiving others. And we love people and we love them enough to speak the truth and love to them to say, this is wrong with the goal. What was the goal? Faith, sound thinking, good thinking, good actions. Paul's not calling them or asking them, hey, these liars, stomp them into the ground and, make, and put them out to sea. No, correct them so that we can get to a place of strong faith. I see this uh, a lot in our culture when around uh, this time of year uh, and maybe a little bit in the middle of the year. Have you heard of, um, it's maybe only said among pastors, uh, but have you ever heard of creasters? Uh, those are 
people that come to Christmas and Easter uh, only. Uh, I'm a, uh, or a CEO, Christmas and Easter only is maybe another insider joke. Uh, and so, uh, but I digress. And so we were, uh, we were thinking about like Christmas the other day and like every, every single year uh, we have to uh, talk about Jesus. We, don't, we get to talk about Jesus' birth in a, in a new way every single year. Same story. Same story every single year. Uh, and so uh, we were talking about, like, hey, for this Christmas season, what do, our, what do our people need? And we were like, man, like, our people need to know the real Jesus. And, uh, and so we were ta- thinking through that, and we, heard, we kept saying this phrase, and then it was like, oh, that's kind of a Buddy the Elf uh, from Elf phrase. Like, I know him. I know him. Uh, and so our series is going to be called Jesus, I Know Him. And we're going to look at passages that, hey, you, you want to celebrate like the manger and a, a you know, pageant with your kids and whatnot. Okay, great, groovy, whatever. But let's tell you the real Jesus of Christmas, things that you probably wouldn't think about Jesus as. And so we're going to go through those passages, Jesus, I know him, which I think is a very uh, Paul-like thing to do. You know what he did in, a, in, a, uh, in Acts chapter 17? He went to a city with not a lot of Jewish people, uh, a lot of uh, Gentile people, and he saw all of their gods, statues that they had made for all of these gods, 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 gods. And he saw one, of that just-in-case God. Uh, just in case we miss one, we have a statue to the unknown God, so no one can accuse us of missing a God. And Paul gets out there in front of everybody and says, oh, great, I see that you're very religious. Cool. Can I tell you about that unknown God? A God mentioned throughout the scriptures? A God of resurrection? He actually speaks of resurrection, but never actually mentions the name Jesus. He, he speaks at their level to, to get them to guide them to a place of understanding who Jesus is. It's an awesome thing that Paul does there. And I think we need to speak into culture and tell them what, they're on the road to this, but let's finish that gap. You're big on Christmas, great. Let me tell you about Jesus. You're big on Easter and Easter eggs. Great. Let me, let me tell you about Jesus. And it's not just, hey, a just-in-case. Isn't that like really common in our culture? These just-in-case thinking like, oh, you know what? I don't want God in anything. I'm going to live godless. But just in case, I'll go to Christmas Eve service. Just in case, I'll go to the Easter service. I've never missed an Easter service in my life, God. Well, let me point out a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> And so for those people that have that just-in-case mentality, let's point them to Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Let's speak to those people that think, you know what, I'll, just, I'll know enough about the Bible to get my mom off my back. Let's speak to those people that, oh, thank God grandma isn't on social media so that she can see me showing up every Christmas and Easter and thinks that I'm a good holy roller. Let's speak to those people and not force Jesus down their throats, but show, hey, Jesus is the only way to the Lord Almighty, which says, hey, you know, Jason, you're so close-minded. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to open your mind to the one true God. (laughs) Jesus is for everybody, but it's only through Jesus. I don't look at that as closed-minded. I look at that as he wants every single person in relationship with him. The third person that we must correct are those who are uh, defiled. He says, to the pure, all things are pure. To To the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both in their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, uh, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Paul sees the way that they're living as, as that of defilement. Their thinking, their actions are, is all wrong. What they're doing, there's no conviction of sin. They, they don't see it as, as wrong. 
They're looking at things that are in and of themselves, like it doesn't have to go evil places or it doesn't have to go good places, but, but somebody that doesn't think positively, doesn't think like Jesus, will take something and bring it to an evil place. We as Christians will think with a different filter and bring things uh, to a holy place. We as Christians will use our social media for what is holy and not what is unholy. We as Christians will use our money not for what is unholy, but for what is holy. There's a whole bunch of things in our society, how to run a family, how, how to be married, a whole bunch of things that can go either direction. But for the Christian, we're going to funnel it through what is pure, to be a reflection of our Savior. Because what Paul is clearly saying, your actions scream belief. What do your actions communicate that you believe? Do they communicate that you profess the one true living Savior? Do your actions communicate genuine belief or godless behavior? This is, this is like, these are, I'm speaking to perhaps bandwagon fans of Jesus. Now, as a huge Phillies fan, uh, let, me, let me tell you that uh, I can defend myself. I have gone to a Phillies opening day before. I paid money to go there, opening day of the baseball season. One of the greatest moments of my life was being at the Phillies World Series game back and whenever they won it, like 30,000, they didn't win it, uh, uh, whenever they lost it that last time. And uh, I was there, and they were playing the stupid Yankees. And uh, I got, me, Jason, Pastor Jason, I got the whole stadium. I was the one that started uh, the cheer, Yankees suck. Yankees suck, and the whole stadium, and it was like a, a glorious moment for me. Uh, and okay, yeah, and uh, but and you heard when I said, "Hey, I'm a I'm a huge Phillies fan." That day one thing, I wore my Red Sox. Kurt Schilling uh, jersey because I figured, hey, Kurt Schilling used to play for the uh, Phillies. Philadelphia will love me. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, they hurled tons of insults at me uh, in my Schilling uh, uh, jersey. And, uh, but the point is, I grew up in New Hampshire. Uh, I grew up outside of Boston. I grew up loving uh, the Boston Red Sox and all things Boston sports to the point that when we were thinking about starting this church, a well-meaning pastor sat me down and said, Jason, you're going to have to start cheering for a New Yorker Philly team because you're going to turn a lot of people away by talking about the Red Sox. I didn't disrespect anybody to their face, but I walked away saying, you're tripping because I'm going to be <laughs> true to myself with my upbringing, and I love the Phillies whenever they're playing the Yankees. I love the Mets whenever they're playing uh, the Yankees. Uh, and if you're a Yankees fan, cool. Uh, we love you, and you're welcomed here. Uh, uh, just kidding. I'm, but I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. You are what you are. I get. I grew up in, in Boston. But there are religious examples, right, of, of fakes. I'm a fake Phillies fan. We get this, right? We, I've heard people say, uh, I come clean on Sunday and I confess all, of, all the sins that I can think of. I've heard people say that I pray at dinner when Nana is present. I've heard people talk about singing Oh Holy Night as a family tradition and something that they actually fight to keep. I've heard people talk about how amazing grace is their jam. I've heard people talk about how they wake up at 4.30 a.m. to just to read their Bible. I've heard people say that I pray, for, I pray to God every single night, and if I don't, I cannot fall asleep. Those are very real comments that I have heard uh, said to me or heard of by people 
that are a universalist, thinking that everybody at some point, all, all roads lead to the same place. That think, hey, uh, if, if, if anybody will have the opportunity to say yes to the one true God, whether it's in this life or just in a, a portion of time after. I've heard, so, I've heard somebody say that, ha, that has a, a, an, ins, an insane amount of sexual sin in their lives with no guilt about it. I've heard that said by a, a, an abuser of children. I've heard that said by somebody who would also say in the, na- in the next breath, it's okay, I know this is wrong, but God just wants me to be happy. Now, I know I, I cannot judge a person. I know that that is not necessarily my place, especially in the outside world. But my place is, hmm, I wonder because I hear more than I see, knowing that God sees all. He doesn't want us to be a fake. He wants us to be walk like his son walked and to be like Jesus. That's why in the book of Revelation, he says, I don't want you, I don't want you to be in the middle. In the middle is not better. Be hot or be cold. Be one or the other, because if you're in the middle, you're not living true to anything. It's why Joshua said at the, at the end of the book of Joshua, hey, you, you, hey, there's all these pagan gods. Serve whoever you want. Pick one though. But for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. So who do you serve? Is Jesus at the center? Are you trying to keep him at the center while you're being on the left or the right? You're trying to appease everybody. That is not what Paul would like us to do. He's saying, no, be true to not to yourself, but be true to the God that is within you. So what have we said uh, today? We've said that gospel uh, protection, uh, gospel correction is gospel protection. We have to correct those that are divisive, deceived, and defiled. Now here's one of my convictions as a pastor. One, it's illegal uh, to really come out and speak uh, openly about politics as far as taking a side. Uh, not too many churches really care about that. And, uh, and I see a whole generation leaving the church because the church is becoming so politicized. I see a generation leaving the church because we care more that our kids would vote like us than we do that they would actually believe in the name of Jesus Christ. That that there would be some that would care, hey, vote like me, but uh, what you do with God is your own thing. There's a whole generation looking at the church saying, this is what you preach, and this is how you vote, I don't see the correlation there. I see you fighting for your politics more than you're fighting for your Jesus. I don't care what mainstream people do. I don't care how you vote. I don't. I have my own political standings. We've had people leave this church because I'm too liberal. We've had people leave this church because I'm way too Republican. We've had people leave this church for a whole slew of political reasons when we don't even really talk about politics. All I care is that you know the name of Jesus Christ. That is truly all I care about because both sides can use arguments to defend their truth. So why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because in a few weeks, oh, there's going to be a midterm election, and then every four weeks or every four years, there's a huge fight in America. And the church puts themselves in the middle. 
defending their politics more than they want to defend the name of Jesus. And so what I am asking you when it comes to gospel protection, vote, go out and vote. People have died for your right to vote. Yes, do that. But for the name of Jesus Christ, would you stop trying to win people to your political side and spend way more effort trying to win people to your Jesus? And so here's my challenge, and it's, it, you have four or five days to complete it. Some of you are already coming to my house on Thursday night. Uh, we're going to have pizza, and we're going to talk about a book, Not In It to Win It by Andy Stanley. If you're not signed up for that, I challenge you to get the audio book, the Kindle book, or have it overnighted to your house. Read that book. It's a short little book. And then come to my house on Thursday night to talk about it. Yes, Thursday night with the pastor talking about politics is going to be a wild time. But that's my challenge for you. That is a place where I see this text playing out. A whole lot of noise, a whole lot of fury, and you're not saying anything. To make Jesus the main thing. But how I actually want to close is I know I've said some hard things today. And uh, I know just if you read that text, when Joe read that text, even before I got up to speak, you, you could be like, man, like, I came to church this Sunday. You're talking a lot about fakes. The point is that you're a fake. The point is, I'm a fake. The point is that before a holy God, we're all fakes. The point is, before a holy God, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows where your words don't line up with your actions. Before a holy God... He knows all of you. He knows every ounce of that is a fake within you and a fake within me and a fake within us. He knows all that is fake within us. He knows if, if, if man, like this is my first Sunday back or I, I, I was raised Catholic and I was disenfranchised with the church and now I'm back here and, I, and like, man, like I've been a fake for the last 30 years. Fine. Because Jesus knows all of you and what does he say? I still want you. I just want you to move forward in truth. I want you to leave the world behind you and put the cross before me. Not your politics, not your family, not the da, 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 da. Just put Jesus before you. Because in you, Jesus sees such amazing potential. Do you know what the potent word potential means? Having or showing capacity to become or develop into something in the future. If you are living as a fake right now, if you do not know the name of Jesus Christ, there is such great potential for you. Amazing potential. Why? Remember that verse that Ellie read? How great is the love that God has, one verse says, lavished upon us. That we should be called children of God. And thus we are. So when God Almighty looks down at you, he sees such amazing purpose and potential. Why? Because there is a time where you were to, if you were to put your faith in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone, that he would see you as a child of God. That doesn't speak to potential. That doesn't speak to acceptance. 
That doesn't speak to the fact that God knows everything about you in this moment and desires you in his family. There is not a person in this room right now that God Almighty is looking down and saying, Jason, speak to everybody but that person. Not a person in this room is outside of the love of Jesus. That is the gospel. You are a child of God if you have placed your faith in the Father. And so we want to close and then we'll sing a song, All Hail King Jesus. I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you. There's nothing magical about the prayer. But when I invite you to pray, what I'm inviting you to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, died, rose again three days later to give us life forever after. Because God so what? Loved the world. God says you're lovable. I agree with God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this, Lord, being able to talk about uh, the, 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 the hardships and the atrocity of being, being a fake, the, the, the hardship of, of living in a culture that would, would try to minimize, uh, uh, Father, the truth that you are the only way, Jesus, to the Father. But Jesus, I thank you that you didn't come to die for some. I thank you that you came to die for all. And Father, I thank you that in this room, Lord, that every single person has the opportunity here in this moment to say yes, not to religious work, but to say yes, Father, to a relationship with you that we could be called children of God. So if that's you, if you're not a child of God, you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I'm going to invite you to pray right now, praying something along these lines. Dear God, I am sorry. Father, this text used the word insubordination. Father, in the truest way possible, I've been insubordinate to you. Holy God, I've been unholy. Holy God, there is so much in my life that is wrong, so much that I could, I I have been running from you, running away from you, and and Father, I'm done. I don't, I I, I have a hard time grasping a, a Savior that would die for me as unlovable as I am, but that he would find me lovable and die for me and then rise again to give me life. Father, I, I, I will spend the rest of my life trying to understand this, but today I accept it. I believe in faith that your son died for me, rose again from the grave, and is offering me life. Today, I accept it. Now, Father, help me to walk as he walked. If you guys can do me a favor, just keep your heads down and eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, would you look up here for a second? Because I just want to speak just to you. If you prayed that prayer, here's what I want you to know. Look at me. Jesus loves you. Jesus desires you. Jesus is pleased to call you brother. Jesus is pleased to call you sister. If you prayed that prayer, you do not walk out of this room with your head down. You walk out of this room with your head held high as a child of the God Most High.
And so with everybody else, would you guys stand and let's sing, all hail King Jesus.